Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So we've got the House of Representatives currently voting and debating a $1.5 trillion government funding bill along with a $13.6 billion aid package to Ukraine. We're waiting on Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, who may have some announcements to make regarding what's going on with Ukraine and energy policy. Meanwhile, the Dow has been up 800 points. The Nasdaq is up 413. Why? Because OPEC is going to pump more oil. U.S. oil prices per barrel down 13%. World uh, WTI, West Texas crude, down to $108 a barrel. It topped $130 a barrel just earlier this week. And Brent crude, down 12% to $112. It was at $139 on Monday, the highest number since 2008. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Holy McCrap, there's a lot moving. There is a lot moving right now. Reuters reporting that Iraq said it could increase output if OPEC asks. And uh, Anthony Blinken, who's the Secretary of State, uh, saying that the UAE, United Arab Emirates, would support increased production by OPEC. Now, you can ask yourself why. Why, why, why do it? Why increase? Why not make everybody just, you know, suffer a little? Well, pressure is pressure is pressure is pressure. Does this mean we're going to start seeing a decrease in the oil prices? Maybe. It would be rational, right? You see more production. You see uh, prices come down. Let's watch. Let's watch and see. Maybe it won't come to pass that my $5 a gallon oil will happen. I'm more than happy to be wrong. I'd be thrilled and overjoyed to be wrong. I don't want it. I was just watching the world play itself out. We also don't know what kind of deal may have been made to get this done. But something that I did discuss, if you watch my morning video series... They're on Rumble, rumble.com slash Tony Katz, the morning rumble, uh, presented by Americans for Prosperity. I was discussing where, where these prices are going and, and reminding people so, of something that's very true. What happens on Wall Street, very, 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 very different than what's happening on Midwest Main Street. These are very different things, guys. They cannot be connected. They live in different worlds. They breathe different air. They have different purposes. They're looking for different indicators. Wall Street's just happy because it means people will invest more. All right, as long as the investments are coming in, we're totally good. I mean, go check out your uh, your 401k. I, I, will, I will share with you, my 401k has been down. You want me, you want me to take a look right now? You know what I'm do it right now? I'm not going to give you the numbers. Producer Ari is desperate to know what's in my 401k. Producer Ari still wants to do my investments for me. He's like, let, let me please. I will make you bank. Do you still believe that, Ari? I could have sworn he still believed it. 
seemed to me like it was something he was still totally down for. Meanwhile, I mean, I wasn't able to look it up. I was trying to look it up. I wasn't able to, to look it up. So maybe we'll see uh, an, an increase in that. Maybe we'll see uh, those things go back up. Maybe we'll see those opportunities for you, me, and we. Midwest Main Street, they are still seeing supply shortages. They're still seeing high gas prices. They're still seeing labor crunch. That's the issue. That's the problem. They're still dealing with all of those things. And that's not going anywhere. Inflation is still their problem. Inflation has not gone away. So the divide between these two things is huge. I don't mind the markets doing well. I'm happy that the markets are doing well. Right on. No issues. I only want to see uh, success in that way. But we we shouldn't confuse the things. We should not confuse them at all. That what we have here are two different worlds. And right now, the world of Midwest Main Street isn't doing too well. Isn't going so well. And there doesn't seem to be an end to that on the horizon. Especially if we consider just what took place yesterday from Biden and this, this really this 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 attack this attack on energy which is an attack on small business because what he's saying is hey uh, uh the the problem here is uh is is you greedy people he claims to be a capitalist but i i'm asking you i'm asking the question does this sound like a capitalist to you but, 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 it's no excuse to exercise excessive price increases or padding profits or any kind of effort to exploit this situation or, Amer- or American uh, consumers, exploit them. Russia's aggression is costing us all, and it's no time for profiteering or price gouging. I want to be clear about what we'll not tolerate. But I also want to acknowledge those firms and oil and gas industries that are pulling out of Russia and joining other businesses that are leading by example. They're profiteering because the prices have gone up because of inflation and because of supply? That's a weird flex. How much lack of faith comes from hearing a president talk like that? This constant, constant jibber-jabber about price gouging. And you've got uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren, of course, buying into this nonsense. So should Congress be monitoring profiteering? Absolutely, and actually we are. Uh, I'm co-sponsoring with Senator Whitehouse and others a bill on uh, windfall profits tax. Look, we get it, supply and demand, that prices go up, but profit margins should not go up. That's just oil companies gouging when they do that. So we're going to be on them on. Gouging. It's not um it's not the kind of stuff that gives confidence. 
at all. Meanwhile, Jen Psaki, White House Press Secretary, has entered the room. Let's see what the latest is. Competitiveness legislation uh, like the Bipartisan Innovation Act. During the event, the President, Secretary Raimondo, and the participants will focus in particular on why passing competitiveness legislation is critical for lowering prices for working families on essentials like cars and household appliances by addressing bottlenecks like semiconductor chips, manufacturing more in America, and strengthening our supply chains to make our economy more productive. As we've seen over the past year, global events like the pandemic or Russia's unprovoked aggression in Ukraine can result in disruptions to global supply chains that lead to higher prices for American consumers, uh, which is further underscores the importance of strengthening our economy and making it more resilient to shocks like that in the future. Also wanted to note that today the President signed an executive order outlining the first ever whole of government approach to addressing the risks uh, and harnessing the potential benefits of digital assets. Previously, there has been never been an organized effort to bring together the expertise and authorities of the entire U.S. government to inform a holistic approach to digital assets. With this executive order, the president is calling on experts across the federal government to assess and develop policy recommendations that address the implications of growing digital asset of the growing digital asset sector across consumer protection, financial stability, national security, and climate risk. She means cryptocurrency. She means Bitcoin. She means Ethereum, etc., which I want the government to leave alone, decentralized, and move on. But they can't have that. The risks. You mean as opposed to the risks of the dollar, as opposed to the risks of the market, as opposed to the risk of the energy sector? As opposed to the risk of just opening a business in this economy with, with a president who can shift the grounds right under you? Let the people who want to engage in crypto engage in crypto and leave it alone. You don't even you don't know what it is, never mind how to manage it. But they hate the fact that you might do something without them. It's a power play. Back to the press conference. So one easy question. Um, the US declined to help facilitate the transfer of jets to Ukraine yesterday. Does the U.S. want the Ukraine to get jets? How urgent a priority is that? So let me give you an update on the status. Uh, as of now, uh, the Secretary Austin, Chairman Milley, uh, and members of our Defense Department are in touch with Ukrainian counterparts, NATO counterparts, discussing, discussing what are clearly logistical challenges here. And I would note, Josh, that in the statement put out by my colleague uh, at the Pentagon yesterday, he made clear that uh, obviously the a proposal from yesterday that fighter jets manned by Americans departing a NATO base to fly into airspace contested, contested with Russia raises serious concerns for the United States and NATO. So the logistical questions here, just to put a little fine point on it, are things like how do you get planes into Ukraine in a way that is not escalatory? Um, and what are the logistics and operational details of that? Uh, those are conversations are happening between uh, counterparts uh, at the military level, and I would expect any update might come from them. Okay, let's go around. Michael, why don't you kick us off? Uh, sure. Uh, two questions on Venezuela. Um, yeah. Uh, so obviously yesterday two Americans uh, were freed uh, and uh, they are now home. Uh, uh, Nicolas Maduro has agreed uh, to re-engage in the Mexico City talks. So is the ball in uh, the president's court at this point to continue the engagement and what is the plan for the administration? Well, first, uh, the, the, let me note that the return of two American citizens is certainly uh, welcome news, exciting news, and it would not hap have happened 
uh, without the tireless work over the series, a series of months uh, by a number of our diplomats, including, of course, uh, our uh, special envoy for hostage affairs, Roger Karstens, um, who worked on this for months over the course of time. Uh, you know, we are uh, will continue to discuss uh, a range of issues, uh, including uh, first and foremost, um, Americans unjustly held. Unfortunately, they are not the only individuals held there. The individuals who returned, uh, so that will be uh, something that we will look to have ongoing discussions about. I'd also note that uh, Maduro said he will resume talks with Venezuela's interim president in Mexico. So that is an encouraging uh, sign. Uh, so there are a range of issues discussed on this trip. Uh, there are range of issues to discuss uh, moving forward, uh, but right now we're just celebrating the return of two Americans. Okay, and just to follow up, are there concrete plans for uh, continued engagement for another round of talks? And um, is there, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, I think, on Monday uh, that energy security was part of the conversation. What can Venezuela contribute to energy security? Nothing. Nothing. Taking money from Venezuela, I'm sorry, taking oil from Venezuela, giving money to Venezuela is about propping up a communist. This is nuts. It's a terrible idea. Getting Americans back, always good. This is a terrible idea. And the, the administration can't spin itself well out of this idea that we have the ability to go it alone. And we're not doing it. As a matter of fact, the administration is doubling down on hashtag Putin price hike, blaming everything we're seeing on Vladimir Putin. That's how much they hate America and Americans. That's how foolhardy they see Americans. That's the level of lying that they're doing. Gaslighting. It's gross. Now, by the way, you may have heard something from Jen Psaki just really quick. This is a fascinating story. She said, okay, let's go around the room. And she started with some people in the back. Yesterday, the press conference ended after 40 minutes, and only three people got to ask questions because they were doing these follow-ups and these follow-ups. And so the room got angry with Jen Psaki. Why are we stopping? We didn't get to ask questions. There's 50 of us in here. What in the world is this? So now she's starting at the back of the room to show that she's all equitable. She's, ugh. Just every, every time... I hear it. I'm just like, I go, ugh, that's it. That's the exact sound I make. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Okay. So some people have been asking. I want to make sure I go over it. March 26th. We are doing a book signing at the Mississippi Cigar Company that's in Gas City, Indiana, from 3 to 5 p.m. And if you go on Facebook and you and you look up, I don't know, can you find it at the Eat, Drink, Smoke Facebook page? Maybe. But if you look up the Mississippi uh, Cigar Company, which is not easy to spell at all. Spell it. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I, Mississippi, uh, is it S-S-I-N-E-W-A? Did I do too many S's in there? I just think it's good to know how to spell it for, for reference. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-N-E-W-A. Mississinawa. No, that's right, Mississinawa. There's only two sets of S's in there. 
So you can actually uh, go uh, to to Eventbrite and 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 look that up, Tony Katz book signing, and and get your ticket uh, for that. And then on April 9th, uh, I am speaking to the Wayne County uh, GOP for the Lincoln Day dinner, and I guarantee you, I've come to burn the place to the ground. Tony, it's gonna be so good. Why do you do this? Like, I, I think they've got extra tables now. Like, it's going to be so good. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not getting invited back. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Why would you advertise that? Because right, that's what people want to see. That's what they want to see. But I, 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 have, I have many things to say. And then there's this. And so this is where I'm asking for some help for some people who know things about online advertising, specifically how things work on Facebook. I get a, a notice from uh, Sarah. Sarah does our social media. And we're posting a video, and it gives her a box. It gives like a warning box, I guess you would call it. Monetization preview. Monetization preview? What the bloody in the world is this? And it says, select all that apply. Rating your video yourself can help you better understand how we'll review it but your selections won't have any impact on your video's actual monetization outcome. So it has here, does the video have debated social issues? Debate or dialogue on social or political issues like personal, civil, or political rights. Objectionable activity like legal and illegal drug use. And alcohol consumption. Strong language. Sexual or suggestive activity. Explicit content. Tragedy or conflict. Distressing events including illness, death, and abuse. Or is there no sensitive content? Video thumbnail, title, and description do not contain any of the content listed above. And they want you to now go about censoring your own content so they can say, oh, well, they said it had objective activity, so we won't monetize this. I don't get paid by Facebook. They get paid when they put an ad on my content, and I get a little bit of something. That's kind. I'm not about to do your work for you. If you think it's not monetizable, go ahead. Put somebody to it or put your algorithm to it. Put your bots to it and do it. Don't make me do the work. These people are unfreaking believable. We got to tell them why they shouldn't monetize us. I'm a political conservative. I'm already not getting monetized. That goes without saying. It does. It drives me crazy, especially for the cigar and bourbon stuff. You know, I can't advertise that on Facebook. Can't advertise it on Google either. But neither can anybody else. Maybe that's why the advertisers come to the radio show, because, you know, we still have options there. By the way, you can follow it all on Facebook, Eat, Drink, Smoke, or EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. I'm Tony Katz. You have for One, we've taken uh, steps to address bottlenecks in the supply chain uh, to reduce those bottlenecks. Those are steps we've taken not just since October, but since earlier this year. No, you There's haven't. no question that we've seen impacts as it relates to uh, getting goods uh, and supplies out to the American public. Uh, we've also taken uh, steps to address uh, what we see as shortages and issues in the semiconductor uh, space. No, you're I not. just opened this briefing by pressing for the passing uh, of the competitiveness of legislation that the president would love to sign into law. You don't need competitiveness legislation. We're capitalists. Just let people do their work and get the hell out of the way. 
competitiveness legislation. It's called the Constitution. What are you talking about? Oh, God, I got to start drinking. Holy crap. That's nuts. That is word salad gobbledygook nuts. Jen Psaki's out of her face. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. I'd love to hear from you. I don't hear from you enough. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. The White House press briefing still going on. Can I tell you the room is full? Full. COVID's in the rear view. Everybody's back, baby. And as for uh, the thing she was talking about, which is inflation, uh, the inflation number comes out tomorrow. Oh, my gosh, the inflation number comes out tomorrow. And uh, I believe the response was Katie Pavlich over there at Town Hall, Fox News, was reporting. Her quote was, we expect a high one. Was that right? Is that is that right? You expect a, a high number for, for inflation. I personally... I'm shocked that you're expecting a high one. That's, oh, she's the gift that keeps on freaking giving, I swear. I absolutely positively swear. swear. She's, she's not the only one. Did you hear this from uh, Joy Reid about why people are paying attention to what's happening in Ukraine. You know, you want to talk about taking your bigotry to whole new levels, this is it. Now, what we're seeing in Ukraine is absolutely the worst humanitarian crisis that Europe has seen in decades. But we haven't witnessed the same type of solidarity for the Yemenis as we do for the Ukrainians. We don't see historic sanctions or global campaigns, corporations like Airbnb and Netflix taking a stand. And this is not to say that we shouldn't care this much for Ukraine, far from it. The point is we should also care this much for refugees and those facing occupation and war in the Middle East and Asia and Africa too. The coverage of Ukraine has revealed a pretty radical disparity in how human Ukrainians look and feel to Western media compared to their browner and blacker counterparts, with some reporters using very telling comparisons in their analyses of the war. We don't care about what's happening in African nations or in, or in Yemen because they're brown. You control the presidency, the House, and the Senate. Maybe the question is, why is it that the people you, Joy Reid, interview, why is it that they don't give a damn? I have engaged these conversations here on the show, for example, uh, on on Yemen with, with Senator Todd Young. We had actually done an entire hour on the subject, recorded everything. At, I think I've shared little bits and pieces of it, but mostly I wanted it for, for, for background, to understand what's going on in this, this proxy war between Sunni and Shia, between Saudi Arabia and Iran, and who's supporting who in, in, in Yemen. Maybe part of the problem is you don't want to hear the fact that Iran, that Joe Biden is desperate to create a nuclear deal with, so desperate he needs Russia's help to do it, because the Iranians are going to build a nuclear weapon whether we like it or not. The question is, are we going to give them billions of dollars to do it? Do you want to talk to your people about Iran funding those groups in Yemen or not? Engaging in that proxy war. You want to do this? We'll do it. You control all of it. You control the presidency, the House, the Senate, and the media. 
and the conversation is racist white folk, go to hell. Start pushing the conversation. Maybe less interviews with Ellie Mistal and more conversations about what's happening in Yemen. Maybe that would do it. But let's hear now, let, let's hear uh, Joy Reid's uh, examples. It's really emotional for me because I see European people with blue eyes and blonde hair being killed, children being killed every day with Putin's missiles. The unthinkable has happened to them. And this is not a developing third world nation. This is Europe. This isn't a place, with all due respect, um, you know, like Iraq or Afghanistan that has seen conflict raging for decades. You know, this is a relatively civilized, uh, relatively European. I have to choose those words carefully too, a city where you wouldn't expect that or hope that it's going to happen. Mm. Civilized. Okay, let's face it. The world is paying attention because this is happening in Europe. If this was happening anywhere else, would we see the same outpouring of support and compassion? But we don't need to ask ourselves if the international response would be the same if Russia unleashed their horror on a country that wasn't white and largely Christian. Because Russia has already done it in Syria. This is a teachable moment for us in the media. Yeah, well, at least you'd be going after the right people if you're talking about the people in the media. You, you, you would be going after the right people if you were talking about those in the media. But many of us were talking about what's happening in Syria and Democrats left well enough alone. Your people left well enough alone. And let me say, for the record, I mean your people, so-called journalists. Why? What do you think I meant? What do you, what, 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 what were you thinking? I, I was talking about so-called journalists. Everybody you work with, everybody you ride the elevators with, everybody you have on your show, what are they doing? If you want to discuss these things honestly, we can discuss warfare that goes on in African nations all the time, including tribal warfare. And it doesn't happen as often in European nations. And it doesn't happen from a nuclear power poking at an alliance that also has plenty of nuclear weapons. There is a stunning difference. That is not to say what might be happening in an African nation is good. It's not to say what that what happened in Syria from Bashar al-Assad is good. It's not to say what happens here, there, anywhere is good when we're seeing people being killed. Nothing is good about Boko Haram. It's a little different when you got a nuclear power to play. And if you don't understand that, you're too ignorant to be on TV. And maybe why that's why there's this constant rumor that exists about you getting thrown out. Maybe there's a reason for it. Maybe there's a reason for it right away for us to be honest about and discuss. Meanwhile, uh, Peter Ducey, he is asking the questions of Jen Psaki right now, and that's always a, a good time. We have heard the president warn for months the gas prices were rising because of the supply chain and because of post-pandemic demand. 
If you guys knew for months that this was going to be the hashtag Putin price hike, why are we just hearing that now? Well, Peter, if we go back to six months ago, I don't think anybody was predicting we would be exactly where we are as it relates to Russia and Ukraine. As you know, that events in the world, including the invasion by Russia of a foreign country, does uh, prompt uh, instability and volatility in the global oil markets. And there are all sorts of different issues that can impact that. That's what we're seeing now. Outside economists and analysts have conveyed and said publicly that Russia's invasion, Russia's buildup of troops, President Putin's decision to do that very early this year led to a lot of the instability and volatility in the oil markets. You don't have to take my word for it. So therefore, if President Putin's buildup of military troops is leading to volatility and an increase in oil and prices, hence you have a Putin pump gas price pump. Okay. Uh, you, and the, you and the president are both talking. Thank you. You and the president are both talking about. Spit that out. You and the president are both talking about producing energy here, saying that oil and gas companies have 9,000 permits to drill now. They could be drilling right now. Would President Biden cut red tape to make that possible? What red tape needs to be cut when they have the permits, uh, they have the capacity to do it? What's holding but them up? Does President Biden think that each of these 9,000 leases that are available have oil or gas in them? Because industry experts are saying that uh, that accusation is, is a complete red herring. Some permits are viable and some are not. And that when you say that, this represents a fundamental misunderstanding as to how this process works. Well, first of all, the nearly 60% of leased acres remain non-producing. That's a lot. Uh, in the range of 20 million acres. So there are 9,000 uh, unused approved permits to drill in. They should not require, that should not require us inviting them to do that. They should do that themselves. They the, the additional permits, so would the president... What additional permits do they need? There's no, the, they have, the leases are there, the permits are there. I don't think they need an embroidered invitation to drill. That is, they are oil companies. What is, what is happening, what is happening, but what is, ha the permits have been granted, Peter. What is, ha what is happening mm -hmm. here is that we are seeing, these are private sector companies, we recognize that. Many of them are making record profits. We see that. That is all publicly available data. They have pressure to return cash to investors and their shareholders. What we're saying right now is there is a war. We're asking them to, to uh, go uh, use the, the approved permits, use the unused space, and go uh, get more supply out of the... Ah, we seem to have lost her. We, I can't believe we lost her because they're still going at it, is uh, is uh, Saki and Peter Ducey. Uh, Ducey's terrific. Ducey a, is a national treasure when it comes to taking on the nonsense of Jen Psaki and how she tried to avoid the conversation about what's really going on with these leases. Something else, indeed. Canada, a friendly ally, instead of that, Saudi Arabia. That's already or that's or, we're already getting that oil, Peter. It's the the pipeline is just a delivery mechanism. It is not an oil field, so it does not provide more supply into the system. It, it does not address. Is it possible that Joe Biden will ever say? You there's, guys can go ahead with construction of Keystone XL. There's no plans for that, and it would not address any of the problems we're having currently. Go ahead. This is. Stunning. She continues. She's so angry right now. Oh, it's precious. 
if your argument is that Keystone XL doesn't create more oil, it's an interesting argument. That Keystone brings things from Canada down, and now it's going by trucks, which utilizes more oil than a pipeline. So environmentally, uh, the pipeline would be better than how we're getting it right now. But what it would do, it would engage the conversation that we are prepared to take our energy independence seriously. And this administration is not. And they are playing a red herring game. By saying Putin price hike, uh, by by uh, saying uh, uh, we we have to be more responsible, the responsibility comes from actually engaging more oil sources and more of the the natural resources we have in the country, which they're unwilling to do. It is acceptable to say whether the pipeline was working or not doesn't change the amount of oil we would get from Canada although it very well could in terms of a total amount of supply. But rather, the idea of the pipeline, the idea of making it easier to drill in these lands, and yes, there's more than just, well, we gave the leases, what else do they want, an embroidered invitation? They need to know that they're safe and protected from you, the animals in government who believe in this leftist idea of Green New Deal more than they believe in, well, a future where we're not dependent on Russian oil or OPEC oil or anything else. I didn't think that was too much to ask, personally. Meanwhile, the Dow is up over 600. NASDAQ is up near 400. As OPEC has said, it would drill more. We'll see how that holds. More to come. I'm Tony Katz. So the rumor mill into overdrive, Adam Schefter over there at ESPN reporting that the Colts are trading quarterback Carson Wentz to the Washington Commies. (laughs) That's not their name. They're not the D.C. Commies? No, they're not. Then what are they? They are, but they're not. They're the Washington Commanders. That's it. That's what they're called. Okay, now I know. Ah, interesting, because I was not sure this was going to be the case. I I was not so sold that there was going to even be anything close to a deal. I thought they were going to keep him. What do the Colts do? I don't have an answer for that. As Schefter writes it, Right, because so we've already seen that the 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 Packers kept Aaron Rodgers four years, approximately two hundred million dollars. That's the story. They're paying him fifty million dollars a year to lose the NFC Championship game. Uh, then, then you have uh, you you have Russell Wilson going to the Broncos, and they, uh, the Broncos gave him like everything: quarterback, tight end, defensive lineman, draft picks. You know, a free cup of coffee. Uh, they they shave John Elway's head. Whatever it is you want. And, uh, and so they're getting Russell Wilson. So now the AFC West has Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr. That division is nuts. Um, according to Schefter, the Colts are trading Wentz, and uh, the package includes two third-round picks. That's, that's it. 
That's a good deal. But I don't know who gets what, where, when, why, and how. I mean, this thing's going to break down a little bit. Wait, the Colts gave up two I don't know. and went? I do not know. If that's the deal, then holy moly. I, I, there, I don't think there's any way that that took place. Do I, you? I don't know. His contract's pretty bad. His contract is brutal. His contract is absolutely positively brutal. And that's the... That's the problem. I mean, that's that's the everything. We'll see. But as for what do the what do the Colts do now for a quarterback? Uh, the, the 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 Sam Ellinger era is here. Packers have a backup available. Who's that? Jordan Love. They drafted him in the first <gasps> round in twenty twenty. That's right. They do have Jordan Love. Don't, oh, you're, now you're just now you're just trying to stir trouble. I am right there. I I don't know. I don't know if. I don't know if the Colts are the team that want to start that way. I don't know. I'm not I'm not saying anything about Jordan Love. I wouldn't know enough about him as a quarterback to know whether or not this is a move. Trades the trades have been interesting. There's been some this has been fascinating. Facebook Tony Katz Radio. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today.